0: To where you are imagine coming. all and of your professional or career goals yes, coming sir. true, and you built a business that had a great brand and employed hundreds or thousands of people, but within a span of a few short years, it was completely gone. That's what's happening in American business these days, and we
1: want to know why. Welcome to Brandology Podcast, where we discuss the rise and fall of great brands. It's your culture,
0: finances, marketing, and leadership. It's your brand. Protect it. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today's uh, special guest is Don Givlin, uh CEO of Precise Tooling, and uh, he's going to share his Aspirations, his history, and all the successes and reasonings behind uh, that has brought him to where he is today. Also in the studio today is uh, my co-host Mark Mosher. Mark, hello. Hello. How are you? Morning. Good. Good. uh, good. good. Welcome. Thank you for joining.
2: Great. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I know that you're busy, and we really appreciate you. uh, Really appreciate you being here.
2: Oh, great. Look forward to it.
0: So, just, just to start from the top, just explain to everybody kind of what you do and uh, what your organization is.
2: Yeah, so uh, I own a company uh, called Precise Tooling Solutions. We're based in Columbus, Indiana. Um, I bought the company a little over seven years ago after I had retired from running big companies. And um, I um, after I retired, I got, uh, I got bored and decided I wanted to do something and I wasn't going to go work for somebody else again, so I decided to buy my own company. Um, we're, uh, roughly 40 guys and 40,000 square feet. Um, and we are a square feet each,
0: right? I mean, I'm sorry. A thousand that's square that's, feet each. That's basically that's exactly right. every, every guy. We've,
2: we've used what? that during the whole COVID thing, guys, you that's got right. plenty of room here spread out. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we are a specialty manufacturer. Um, we kind of have four businesses, um, inside our, um, Our umbrella, our first and most important business is that we make new molds for the plastic injection molding industry, uh, mostly headlights and taillights. Um, The second thing is that we have a, a service in a business that we we call the productivity on molds and it's um, taking molds that other people have built in most cases and making them work better or more efficient or making engineering changes to them things like that uh, we then our third business is a is a cnc machining business where we take the capa- extra capacity off of our big uh, cnc uh, machines across the shop and we use that to do all kinds of things for people everything from engine blocks Um, for uh, one of the big manufacturers in Columbus to uh, bread ovens for a company up in Indianapolis so across the gamut and then the fourth business is one that we bought uh, two years ago three years ago now and bolted it onto the company where we make a line of uh, ergonomic workstations and machine bases uh, for manufacturers we've uh, just added a new product to that line um, which is a viral what we call viral barrier which is a uh, literally a plexiglass uh, barrier for um, I, we think mainly teachers to keep them away from students um, or from faculty members to teach behind uh, but I think it's also going to have some some uh, really interesting um, uh, uses in hospitals and and uh,
1: businesses all over the country so That's interesting, Don. So with some of the previous roles that you've had, uh, did any of those prepare you for this or did those align with these uh, that what you're doing now?
2: Well, I, you know, I think everything you do in your business career uh, gets you a little bit smarter, hopefully, and a little bit closer to, to um, you know, so, so that you can fix the issues of any business, right? So, I've been um, incredibly lucky in my uh, gosh, uh, now uh, almost forty-year business career, in that I've had uh, you know great mentors through the years. I've been with great companies where they invested heavily in uh, turning a dumb kid from Indiana into uh, you know, more of a successful business person. So, yeah.
0: That's that's great. Who who was your, you know, um, when you were looking back as to um, how you got to where you are or even why you do what you do, What who was your mentor? Who, who, who was somebody that kind of showed you what to do and, more importantly, almost what not to so you don't well, really,
2: you know, it's a great point because everybody's got to have those, right? And, right. and if Absolutely. you don't have them, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you're, you've are you got to work all that much harder. And, and you know, I, I think my first job out of college, I went to Ball State University. And uh, my first job out of college was I, I went to work uh, for a guy named Bill Scheidler. And Bill was a fraternity brother, but a, a, a couple years older than me. And um, you know, he was—he's still one of my my best friends today. But you know, Billy taught me um, that you have to work hard, right? You got to be on top of of everything that you do. You got to know the details, and and you got to keep pressing. And, um, you know, as a young 21-year-old kid out of college that never even thought I would go to college because I was first in in my family that ever went, um, you know, Billy was the first of, um, you know, a mentor for me, and I will value that uh, all the days of my life.
0: That's great. Well, what industry was he in? Was he in the same industry or something? Yeah. Similar?
2: Yeah. We both worked for for Procter and Gamble at the time. Um, oh. you know, I started off as a sales rep selling Crest toothpaste, oh, yeah. um, in central <laughs> Indiana. Right. And, uh, Billy was my manager and, uh, we both worked for a guy that we both, um, revere a guy named Tom Osterman. And, uh, you know, then I got promoted and, and, um, uh, you know, a number of different times inside the Proctor world, and spent 10 years there, and ended up, um, you know, doing some nice work on brands and, and things like that, and and it was it was a great learning experience because in those days, um, you know, P and G gave young people an enormous amount of responsibility. I mean. Um, you know, I was running a three hundred million dollars scope mouthwash brand when I was twenty-seven years old, right? Wow! Uh, and um, and it was a it was a big big brand at the time, and and so you get a lot of responsibility early on, and um, and it helps you become a business leader and a business um, thinker, and and you understand all the the dynamics that go into it, right? So you get that general management experience. Um, really early in your career at at companies like P&G. So it's a great, a great proving ground, a great learning
0: ground. Talk about an umbrella brand, right? P&G just has so many great brands underneath it. Oh, yeah. Just phenomenal.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, there were, back in those days, so I was there from 82 to 92. I mean, I think there were five or six operating divisions and there were, I don't know, probably uh, fifteen or so billion dollar brands, and and uh, you know, for everything from Crest toothpaste to Tide to Oil of Olay to any of the shampoo brands, were all massive brands, and and um, really the center of uh, kind of the American consumer. and And P and G, you know, they 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 spend enormous amounts of money on training and and um, and all those kinds of things. So it was really a, a, a seminal kind of experience that, uh, you know, I think set my career up for, a, you know,
1: fairly good trajectory. That's good. What advice maybe would you give for, um, we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs that are listeners and we get a lot of uh, insight and input from them, and one of the things is maybe what type of advice would you give somebody just starting out? Maybe not even in your industry, but just starting out as a business owner, or looking to be a business owner.
2: Yeah, I think that you know there's there's three things that you've got to specifically pay attention to when you own your own business, right? You got to make sure your people are happy. You got to make sure your customers are happy. And then you got to make sure that you just do spectacular work all the time, right? Um, You, you as a, especially as a small business owner, you don't have the luxury to stub your toe, right? You've got to execute day in and day out. And, and I think, um, you know, I'm very lucky that our team does that. And um, you know we do we do regular customer satisfaction surveys, and our customer satisfaction uh, survey results are off the charts. I joke to my team that I think we get better results than the Ritz Carlton hotel chain gets. And you know we're a tool shop in Central Indiana, so um, you, you know, our customers are, are uh, incredibly loyal. Um, they've been with us for a long time, and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's very very rewarding to to work with my team and see the work that they do on the
0: company's behalf. That's excellent, so there's a question I wanted to ask you but I'm gonna pause on that, I'm gonna put a pin in that. What you just mentioned about customer satisfaction is so important, because I used to be at a company that was really, I mean, I was in management meetings where they were asking questions like, well, let's start turning this on the customers. Let's start asking the customers, what are they doing for us? Or or do they value us enough to really understand all of the value of, of, of what we're getting? And I was shocked to hear that because to me, what I love about the company we work at is we focus on, the, we, I mean, there's all this internal work that, that goes into sitting in the chair of the, or sitting in the seat of the customer. What's the experience right. like? What's it like when they get on the phone to try and reach us? What's it like to get online and try and submit a work ticket in? What's it like when they have a question on the work ticket? What, like, what is the experience? What does it look like on the screen? Where is it placed on the screen? Who is, who is responding? What's the skill set? The, um, the um, um, courteousness of the person answering? What's the time frame that it takes? There's so much data and research put into it. I think that's absolutely perfect. Would yeah. you agree to that? Yeah. Like- no, I
2: totally agree with you. I mean, you know, when the the uh, as I was doing due diligence on the company, one of the things I said I was going to do um, was a customer satisfaction survey. So we did it blinded, um, and I, the data came to me rather than to the current owners, and um, I could tell that they had a pretty strong um, relationship with their customers. We've expanded on that, and for now. Well, the seven years plus a half, two times a year. I mean, we've probably done 14 or 15 customer satisfaction surveys and, and it identifies what we need to work on, what we're doing right, what we're not doing right, um, what, how we compare versus our competitors, the folks that we're fighting with day to day to win business. And it allows us to make significant change in our organization to, uh, to help us be that much more successful.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode. We try and make this a podcast which we ourselves want to listen to. We want it to be good. We welcome suggestions, ideas for topics, or even suggested guests to be interviewed. Help us make this something great. Imagine all the work you do every day being featured on a podcast which really emphasizes the meaning of why you do what you do. Something shining a spotlight on all of your effort. This is that place. This is that podcast. Reach out to our team with suggestions or if interested in advertising at brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com. Brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com for details. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And now back to the episode. So let me ask you, why did you get into the tool, the precision tool, like the, the auto part um, industry. Was that the industry you yeah. were in from PNG? and no, g No, 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 or, no, no. You were looking at businesses that fit your, your model. That you were yeah, looking.
2: it's it's exactly right. So, um, you know, I, I was fortunate in my career to run a number of uh, big companies and and uh, two that were over a billion dollars. And, and when I retired um, and I thought I was done at 55 because I always <laughs> said I was going to be done at 50 and, and uh, or I said I'd be done at 55 and I was done at 50. And um, I, I got bored really quick. And so I put together an investment thesis um that I would I wanted to own a business in one of a couple of areas. I, I thought that manufacturing was clearly coming back to America, and that would be a great one. I also believe that the infrastructure in America, roads and bridges and things like that were at such a state of disrepair that um, that would be another great place to to invest in and buy a company. And um, you know I, I had worked previously for Blackstone, the private equity group, and it was CEO of one of their companies. And um, so I had, you know, friends and and contacts in the investment world. So I saw a lot of books, Um, you know, this company's for sale, this company's for sale and probably did, um, you know, probably looked at 25 or 30 companies, did due diligence on five or six, um, thought I had a bridge and abutment company bought um, and uh, about seven days before we were supposed to close, the owner backed out because he just got cold feet. And um, so we kind of regrouped and started again. And and I had looked at, at precise what was called precise mold and plate back in the, the time when I was looking at it before, and it was too expensive, and their business wasn't that great. And I didn't really want to do a turnaround. And then you know about eight or nine months later, it came back around and better business results. Their price came down because they got realistic in the marketplace. And and um, so we were able to do a transaction. And um, you know it's been a. It's been a really wonderful experience. I, I, having done lots of acquisitions in my career, Um, you know when you buy a company you get to look at the book right the book that the investment bankers have written on the company and and then once you you know make an offer you get to go in and kind of do a deep dive into financials and sometimes you get to look at um, you know machineries and plants and things like that but the thing you rarely ever get to do is talk to people Um, just because you know that's not part of the buying selling operation Um, and and so, um, you know, I, I did the same thing. I dug deep into financials. I knew the, fi- the financial structure of the company. I got to tour the place one evening after it was closed. And, um, you know, I saw the machines, I saw the state of uh, investment that was necessary, but I never got to meet the people. And, um, you know, probably the, the uh, uh, you know, next to my family, one of, the, one of the biggest blessings I've ever had is I inherited a bunch of really awesome human beings. Um, you know, they came with the company and, um, you know, over a period of, of now seven years, we've we've invested in them and helped them grow and got them new responsibilities and and got them to a point where, um, you know, they basically run the day-to-day um, environment of the company. I'm down here a couple of days a week and, and um, you know, they run the day-to-day part of the business. And, and to me, that's very fulfilling. And I know you'll have a question later about what, you know, what causes me to do the things that I do. And, and it's really about... Um, you know getting the best out of people helping help me helping them um, show their best effort and um, and I think when they do that they they feel good about life they they feel more uh, worthwhile in their in their business career and hopefully that flushes over flushes over into their personal career and uh, their personal life and and it all you know hopefully works out
1: well that's good that's, thanks for sharing that that was uh, that was good to hear what would you say would um, would have been one of your, your biggest challenges, whether it's in this role or one of your previous roles that you had to overcome?
2: Well, I tell you, <laughs> it'd be hard to beat COVID, right? Uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, we, right. Uh, I I don't know that any of us uh, running businesses large or small have ever had to deal with something like this. I mean, you know, I remember um, running running a uh, uh, I guess we were almost a billion-dollar business uh, on 9/11 when the world came crashing down, and we thought that was um, horrendous because I had 40 people in Europe and uh, you know dozens, of, you know, all around the United States that were stranded, and, and um, you know that that there were a lot, a lot of long sleepless nights on that one, and that was a tragedy that that we rebounded from. Um, we then, you know, kind of. Uh, went into a pretty severe recession a couple of years after that and that was tough to deal with and and uh, but I don't think we've seen anything like this um, this virus. Um, um, it doesn't seem like it's going to go away which I think is going to continue to challenge us as um, as business leaders and, and po- politicians and And uh, everything that we do, you know, we uh, we fortunately live in Indiana um, where it's um, not nearly as bad as it is in some states. Uh, But even here in Indiana, it's starting to pick back up. And and uh, we we've got to uh, we got to keep our our, uh, you know, as my mother would say, keep our wits about us and and um, and make sure that we make the right decisions to keep our employees safe and and, uh, everybody focused.
0: So let me ask you, Don, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like when you were a kid, and you were like, first of all, where did you grow
2: up? Uh, I grew up in northern Indiana, a city called Fort Wayne. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, I, yeah. Everybody knows Fort Wayne. Yeah. Um, I yeah. lived in I lived in Warsaw for like okay. five yeah. six years, so we spent yeah. Fort Wayne so was up, the big city. Grew, Fort Wayne was the big city near us.
2: That's right. It's okay. it's exactly right, and it's a it's a lovely city today. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to be an attorney. Um, I thought the practice of law was an incredible, noble um, environment, and and it was something that I wanted uh, to do and, you know, got real involved with that. And then about halfway through college, I realized that I couldn't even go to law school. So um, (laughs) why is that? Probably probably not smart enough. I don't know. Um, You you definitely uh, are, because I
0: I went through and I did it and I passed the bar and I practiced a little bit. and I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what they did. I'll tell you one of the best things is I I went to Loyola downtown Chicago. Sure. And right before the bar exam, we were all we had so much anxiety. I mean, it was so hard. And they told us to go up and down the elevators of the Daily Center, the high rise downtown sure. Chicago, which is where the courtroom is. And right. they said, look at the idiots that get on and off that <laughs> elevator. And they're like those guys passed the bar. They're like, yeah. They can do it. You can do it. And yeah. literally, a group of five of us went, and we went to um, St. Patrick's downtown. We prayed, and so yeah. we went down to the Daily Center, and we rode up and down the elevator. And lo and behold, like a that's, bunch of people with like mustaches <laughs> on their great. shirt, bad that's ties, bad suits, all got on. And I'm like, "All right, guys, I think we got this. I think I we can do this. Feel pretty good. I think we yeah." Got-
2: I, I'm probably um, uh, probably could have done the academic side of it. I didn't want you three absolutely. years. Yeah, I didn't want a couple more three years of law school and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So
0: it's a, it a tough time in your life, right? When you're transitioning from yeah. college and you know, and that's the age when a lot of people's parents are ailing, and there's just, there's just a lot of change going on. In your yeah. Parents. And yeah. so you know, there was a. There's a couple moments where I wasn't sure I was going to even complete. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. Oh, I, I just, just I never wanted to practice. I just wanted to go through the process.
2: Yeah. And and so I decided that um, that when I decided not to do that, then um, I uh, I wanted to go to work for a big company, and and P yep. and G was my number one choice. And uh, really,
0: it so was. you my number wound one up choice. at your goal, like you hit. Yeah, it and you it really off that. That's and, cool.
2: And that's uh, really good. Cool. Really cool. I had a couple of people that worked there and I knew what a great company it was. Obviously you study PNG when you're in college or did at the time. Sure. And uh, so I decided I wanted to go there. So I did everything I could to get there. In fact, um, I, I remember one quick story um, in, in those days you had to sign up at the placement office to get on an interview. Mm-hmm. And they opened the doors at eight o'clock and you could literally rush in the door and look for the the sign-up sheet. And I was, I, yeah, I got there at four in the morning rushed in the door, wow. the first name to sign up on the list, and I go, so I go, I get signed up and signed up for a couple other interviews, went back to the fraternity house, and a mail came later that day, and it was an invitation to interview with P&G, so I didn't even need to go through all that process, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I told that story during the interview, I think I got high points for, you know, ingenuity of being there early and, and uh, trying to make sure I made the list, so, yeah.
0: That's great. <laughs> That's excellent
1: let me ask you this don um in in this this role and in your previous roles as well what kind of steps or precautions did you take to to protect your organization and protect the brand you know more so than physically protected
0: well i i think you
2: you in in any business you're running a brand whether you like to think of it as you're a brand manager or not, I mean, you know, I was fortunate enough to 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 run brands, and and you you've everything you have is a, is your brand, right? I mean, the yep. employees, the way the way our employees uh, talk to each other, the way they talk to the customer, the way we answer the phone, uh, the way our emails go out, all all that kind of stuff makes up your brand, right? And, and, you know, every brand is, is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to have brands that are very um, solemn and very focused. You're going to have brands that are very fun and very active, right? And, um, you know, as we try to figure out what, what we stand for at Precise Tooling Solutions, it's really three things. It's world-class craftsmanship um, with on-time delivery and at a fair price. And I think those three things came from our customer satisfaction survey that said that the things that they value most, the only thing that matters is that the work is right, it's on time, and it's at a fair price. Um, and so, you know, we, we grab those things as those insights, if you will, from the market research that we did, and, and that's everything we do. We focus on that every day while we're here. Um, you know I like to think that we've got the best people in the industry um, I, I know we've got some of the best equipment because we've spent some four million bucks over the last three years in buying new equipment wow, throughout the shop. That's and, awesome. um, and, and, and I know that um, you know we we provide a fair price for what we do I I also tell customers I'm never going to be the cheapest I'm, I'm never going to be the cheapest but but my my premium price, if you will, um, is is if if that's worth making sure it's right the first time and making sure it's on time, all of a sudden you've got a win-win proposition, Mr. Customer, and and you're never, ever going to find yourself in a hole by paying a little bit more versus the discount guy that may screw up and be late.
0: Well, sure. It goes into the TCO, right? It goes into the total cost of ownership. When when, When they engage with you, it's about what is the value that any client is getting? And right. then, is it worth it? Because of course there's going to be cheaper, right? Of course there's there's going to be less always money, somebody there. but yet there's yeah they, they <laughs> nickel and dime you or they leave you totally unprotected or they do like right. do cybersecurity and 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 when um, you know sure we'll we'll go ahead and we'll you know do it really really inexpensively, but then there's going to be some other exposures. So that's why yeah. we always talk about things. The things we do well are things like. You know, in addition to the ongoing support, but that that security incident stuff, that that sim, that 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 twenty four seven piece. So, yeah. and 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 so let me ask you: Did you guys, um, you know, when when you are looking back, and you talked about your mentor, and you talked about why you kind of came out of retirement to to develop this, and you and you did your analysis. and and you did your analogy, what's your, what's your, what's your cause? What's your Simon Sinek? Why? What's your purpose in terms of, you know, why you do what you do?
2: Yeah. So, um, great, great question. And, and I always think about it as, um, there's, there's really kind of two parts to it. What really uh, excites me as an individual is a, is the ability to help people see the best side of them right Um, and and um, identifying tech talents that people have and putting them in the right place in the company so they can flourish um, so they feel great about the work they do so that they then see the impact that they can have Um, to me that's the best thing that a leader can do right I, I, just, I just always believe that my job as a leader in an organization is to get the best out of people. Um, when you do that, um, they're happiest, number one, and number two, the results throughout the organization can be uh, just extraordinary because you get in a situation where good begets good and you just keep that ball rolling. And um, you know you you continue down a path. I, I think the second thing that I, I you know, you, you, as you own a small business that you, um, at least I spend a lot of time on, is the is the communal impact that you have. Right? I mean, 35 guys that we have here um, probably have an average of four in their family. So you know, I've got 120 mouths to feed.
0: Right that's, um, exactly, that that's it, interesting that's a great it, that's a great that doesn't
2: make you sleep with one eye open exactly yeah.
0: <laughs> so so that talks to so that goes to culture and I don't mean to cut you off with all no. with all respect but that's a good leader like you're a good leader when 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 I hear that I think of uh, Todd Cruteau, our president and he said you know he was talking to some of the managing directors kind of in my role and a bunch of re- leaders nationally, we all got together with a group in Chicago and he was explaining how, you know, um, uh, someone was getting on him to like, take the trash out or do whatever. And he was doing it and he's like, look, you know, sorry if I didn't do this earlier or whatever, but you know, I've had a lot on my mind. And they're Like, what could you possibly have on your mind? You're the CEO, you're the president. Yeah. He goes, I've got the mouths of like 4,200 people. Yeah. He's like, I worry about next Friday. He's like, I literally worry about just to make sure that we are open next Friday and that everybody is paid, that we meet expectations. And that's a great leader, right? Somebody that is worried because we all assume it. When we go work for a company, we think it's some machine that is just going to pay us. We just think it's some brand, it's all people. It's yeah. all people. Yep. And that's why there's so many different... Like when I look at the different brands and you look at Apple compared to some of the other technology companies, why was Apple able to innovate over and over and over? All of the different organizations, they're organized the exact same way, right? It's 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 exactly the same way. It had to do with the people. It had mm-hmm. to do with the people and what they cared about and what they focused on each day. Yeah,
2: no, I, I, I uh, agree wholeheartedly. I, I think what you you if, if you if you really believe in in leadership and you really believe that individuals can make a difference you can lead from wherever you are in the organization exactly and, and, and what you what you try to do is build a, a communication environment where um, you know nobody um, people get passionate but nobody gets angry um, where um, all ideas have some semblance of, of uh, importance where um, you learn to build and motivate on ideas and and ratchet them up through the system. And the more you do that, and and the more that you uh, see that energy flowing through the organization, the more people become committed to the organization. And then when you hit a bump in the road, it's not like, gosh, I don't trust you anymore. It's just a bump in the road. Um, And and I I think we're really fortunate here um, you know, lots of small shops have lots of drama and, you know, we are pretty much drama free. The guys don't get along. They enjoy working with each other. They look for areas to improve on each other's work. And uh, and to me, that's really important. And that's, that's in many ways, why I feel comfortable in, you know, letting them run the business on a day to day basis because they do that. So, um, and, and you know, I, I look back on the days when I was running a 35. Hundred-person organization, it was a billion dollars, and and you know you make decisions that, that sometimes are board decisions related about financials and closing down operations, and 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 you you know I look back on those times, and because we were so large, and because we we were easy to provide packages for people you don't worry about mouths to feed as much, right? You get in a small company like this and I mean, you got to look, you got to look all the guys in the eye and, and, um, you know, as, as COVID has, you know, well, kind it's of decimated, not a
0: spreadsheet, it's not a spreadsheet, yeah, it's right?
2: Yeah. As COVID is, um, you know, hit small businesses incredibly hard. Um, I, I feel for the guys that, that haven't been able to keep their businesses open that, that, um, that have had to make very tough decisions, um, and you know we haven't had to do that, um, fortunately, because of you know some government help and some things like that. So we'll continue paddling upstream as fast as we can until we get this dang virus behind us.
1: That's great, That thank you for sharing that. What do you think? What's the uh, what's the future look like? What's the future look like for you and and your organization?
2: Well, I, you know, I, I am. Uh, clearly 100% an optimist, right? There's no question about my optimistic vein that runs through my body. I always think we're going to get a PO. I always think we're going to win a bid. I, I just always, always, always believe that. That's just my nature. Um, uh, so I think we're going to get through this as a country. I, um, you know, I, we, um, we, I, I truly don't believe we tr- Really understand what we're dealing with yet in this virus? I, you know, I, there's there's so many professionals that um, are dealing with it on a day to day basis that tell me that you know every case is different. So, it's a it's a wild and you know you know odd kind of virus, and and we just don't know what the impact's going to be long term. I, I do think that we've got to get the American economy back working, and 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 personally, and you know, anytime you talk to somebody about this, that you you run the line of personal versus political and all those kinds of things because this is all in one big barrel now right Unfortunately. right but but i think I, I don't think we can afford to shut the country down again i think we've got to go forward i think we've got to make sure that our our people are safe and um, and do the right thing you know we we've, we've been dealing with this now for gosh going on 4 months and and fortunately, we haven't had a diagnosed case of COVID yet in our operation. Um, knock on wood, we've got one gentleman that's out sick right now, and we'll see he hasn't got his diagnosis yet, but hopefully it's not. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to play it by ear, but, um, you know, you, you, you've you got to get America back working again. And the good news is, is that every other country is dealing with this, and I think that's going to help. Um, CEOs make decisions to bring manufacturing back to America which is the best thing that could ever happen getting the supply chain out of Asia and back into America um, provides um, enormous um, flexibility and I, I think will lead to much success so
0: so that's you just mentioned a couple of good points so because you have visibility into what other countries and what other businesses are doing you're leveraging advances of technology to make decisions right yes. we're, we're able to see what other people are doing which is something we didn't see in the 80s and 90s right right we, we didn't have that access so there was a lot of flying by the seat of our pants and 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 this is really good uh to be able to leverage those advances um the other thing is you know how do we address the return to work right yeah because i think if we were practicing right now it's socially acceptable to wear a mask everywhere at least in indiana right everywhere we go we've got masks and um even a few months ago people weren't sure whether it was this going to be a week long or is this going to be a couple weeks long look it's 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 here to stay and i've got news for everybody like i'm positive there's going to be another one right this is not the last one that we're going to have to deal with so yeah. in our lifetime or in the next five to 10 years, we're going to have to deal with this crisis again or something similar. And so we just need to be able to adapt without shutting down the economy and without like I almost, I mean, what are what are your thoughts like, well, you know, I I, don't mean this politically at all. I yeah. mean, this, from an it's, economic sense and a health sense, I, I've got to think had we gone to a model like we have today in Indiana where everybody's careful, but we're still open. Like if we, we could have gone to that model and just stayed in that model rather than go from being totally open to totally shut down and half the workforce thinks we're on vacation for God's sake. And then all of a sudden now we're, you know, kind of we're in the middle stage where we should have been. Um, I just wish we kind of would have kind of just started here.
2: Maybe, yeah, you know, and it's, wrong, it's but the model maybe that maybe they, yeah, it's me. the model they ran with in Sweden, right? So right. Sweden never shut down and, right. and, but also Sweden's seeing a very significant in, increase in deaths right now. So,
0: well,
2: yeah, that's yeah exactly so right. even right. the Sweden health minister said, I don't know that we made the right decision. So you Absolutely. had you had a case Absolutely. study yep. and, and, you know, we at my company made the decision that you were essential because of the work that we had in house. So we stayed open, <laughs> um, Small microcosm, you know, 35 people in Columbus, Indiana, where there wasn't a severe outbreak. Um, You know, you don't have hundreds of people walking the streets or riding an escalator or anything like you do in New York City or LA or any of the big cities. So we were somewhat, um, we were somewhat, um, uh, you know, prone to to not have it as bad. But you know, I think one of the lessons that will be learned through this is that. As uh, and you, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but one of the lessons that will be learned is that um, governors looked at their entire state and made one decision, instead of making five decisions based on regions in a state. Um, the U.S. government made massive decisions based on a country, and and you know we North Dakota is not a bit like Miami, Florida, right? We, I think we mm-hmm. all know that. Yeah. So I think if there is one of these that pop up again, um, the regionalization of decision making I think will um, will probably be significantly more beneficial. I think the other thing that we've we've all learned is that the technology uh, we probably jumped four or five years ahead technology, uh, you know, from from everybody. Um, you know, uh, uh, five months ago you guys would be sitting in my office doing this interview, right? And now we're doing it on a platform that. Um, we, neither of us probably, the three of us probably couldn't spell Zoom um, you know, uh, four months ago, right? That's so re-
1: That's very accurate. So, and now we,
2: we live uh, X hours a day on it. So, um, uh, and, you know, everybody's got their own. Microsoft Teams works is what we use, and it works very great. So um, we, we've learned to take technology to a very different step. We've got to, uh, and so we'll, we'll see how that continues to work, right?
0: Yeah.
1: That's great. Well, Don, we're coming up against the hour and we really appreciate your time. Thank you for being so transparent and sharing everything with us. Um, as we leave, as I'd mentioned that we do, we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that listen and a lot of uh, people in startups. And is there any last message or any departing word that you would leave with uh, with maybe even motivational or guidance for us for some of those people starting out?
2: Well, you know, I, I get that question a lot because I talk, I talk to a lot of young people. Um, and, and especially new business owners and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I always encourage people, um, especially if they're just starting their, their business career, um, to get as much good um, big business experience as you can as quickly as you can and then get the heck out. Right. And, and buy your own company or find your own company or partner with somebody to do it. Because the, the real joy of running a business is just that. Uh, when you're running the business, when you have your sleeves rolled up and you're deep in the details. Um, and that's where, I mean, it's also where you maybe pull your hair out, but, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, um, it, it's where the fun is. And, and you know, people that have spent their entire careers in bureaucracy, I, I think sometimes uh, missed the real joy and the passion of, uh, of what they, they could have done by owning their own company. So I'm a big proponent of entrepreneurs and and um, you know, love the entrepreneurial spirit and the ability to to grow something and move. I mean, you know, I I I, I, um, I look at our experience on viral barrier. Um, you know, uh, eight days ago, I heard Mitch Daniels, the president of Purdue, say he's got he's got to prevent his faculty from getting sick. And I took a piece of paper and I sketched out our viral barrier, gave it to the guys, and said, build one of these. And uh, they, came back, they came back with a much better uh, view than I had. And, um, you know, we've gone out to every university in the Midwest and, and, um, and every uh, high school in the state of Indiana and, and grade school K through um, 12 showing these and, and uh, I think it's probably gonna be a pretty nice product for us based on early responses after eight days. So inside of eight days, we developed a prototype, uh, we built a website, we got the website up, we got the name we wanted, um, we got emails out to some 5,000 people that we thought might be interested in it. And, um, you know, we got our first order inside of the, on the, I think on the sixth day, we got our first order. So, you know, that's that's um, that's kind of fun to do.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's a great parting message. Okay. Well, Don, again, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing everything. <laughs> I know our listeners will find a lot of value in what you had to say and what you shared with us. Uh, so again, thank you very much. We really appreciate uh, happy it. happy to do it, guys. Thank Good you, John, to so much. Right. Yeah, be really well. Really
0: appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Right. We'll see you see soon. You. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey everyone. Mark and I would like to invite you to listen in on our two bonus episodes, a two part series on the rise and fall of one of the world's most iconic brands. One man's vision, where he recognizes the baby boom even before it was a term that was used. He grew an international business that was worth billions of dollars. In just a few years, it is liquidated in bankruptcy. It's not what you think. It's not due to e-commerce or anything like Amazon or other large retailers. Come listen and find out. We promise you won't be disappointed when we discuss the rise and fall of Toys R Us.
1: Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, Unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up.
0: No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, Thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe, turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it.
1: Everyone, thanks for listening.